Welcome to the Xbox Wrap-Up Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, or just Logan. doesn't matter how you want to call me or refer to me. We are going to be talking about all of this week's news. There's two major stories that I want to talk about and some good updates to the Xbox. So uh, we're going to be talking about the latest announcement from Logitech. Logitech has decided that they are going to get into the handheld switch Steam Deck market. It's called the Logitech G Cloud Handheld. We're going to be diving into the specs, what I think about it, how I think it could actually fit into the market and whether or not this is going to be something that you should be picking up. Also, we're going to be talking about the latest leak. Uh, there's a leak that came out about a couple days ago, actually, and uh, it pertains to Grand Theft Auto 6. Um, I'm not going to be diving into anything that could be considered spoilery. I just want to talk about it because it hit the market and was insane. Everyone was talking about it, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to end up too well for uh, the person that actually did the hacking. So we're also going to be talking about the update that just recently came out to Xbox operating systems, what you can do with your Xbox Series X uh, or Xbox Series Elite controller as well. There's a little change there that I like. And we're going to be talking about some of the games that have recently come out and how they're doing. Uh, we're also going to be comparing sales too. We got August's uh, comparison for the sales between the PS5 and the Xbox Series console. So I want to dive a little bit into that. But that's going to be it. If you missed this week's news, don't worry. We're going to be diving into it right now. So we got a very interesting device that got announced today. And if you haven't gotten a chance to take a look at this thing, I would urge you to do so because this is a handheld that is coming from Logitech or Logitech uh, G Cloud handheld device. Um, there's an article that went out. Uh, this is something that's going to be up for pre-order. It's going to be launching October 17th. And if you pre-order early, you can get it for $300. If you wait, it's going to be $350. Uh, so why, why am I talking about a Logitech G Cloud handheld device? Uh, and essentially what, what's going on here is this is a streaming handheld uh, very much like the Stream Deck or the Switch, uh, it is intended to be something that is a dedicated handheld console uh, that will allow you to stream games directly to it. Um, this is really kind of surprising that they're coming out with something we'd heard about something like this and that it was going to get announced at some point, but we hadn't really gotten an idea of what it was going to be. Um, there's a lot that you can actually check out on this right now. A lot of people have gotten their hands on it and have been kind of talking about what you can expect with it. Um, so let's break down a little bit of the information that you can uh, get as far as like the actual specs go, right? Let's talk about the specs here. So looking at the specs here, the Logitech G Cloud handheld weighs about one pound, which is about twice the weight of a standard switch. Uh, I don't know how it actually holds up compared to the actual Steam Deck, but I imagine it might actually be lighter given how much is in the Steam Deck. Uh, the screen is seven inches uh, by diagonally, uh, and it goes up to 1080p for the resolution. Uh, the refresh rate is at 60 hertz, so you can play 1080-60 on this, uh, and it, as far as I know, it is an OLED screen. Um, it says it has fully remappable controls as well too, so any of the buttons you can change uh, what they uh, actually act as, so depending on what 
type of gamer you are, that might help out. And it has a three and a half millimeter headphone jack uh, for your typical headphone devices. Uh, there are no fans, so it should be a lot quieter than say like the Stream Deck and the Switch. Uh, and it takes about two and a half hours to fast charge, which will give you about 12 hours of gameplay. Um, it's got Steam Link and Xbox Remote Play built in. So if you have a PC and a Xbox, you should be set to go. Uh, and it has access to the Google Play Store, NVIDIA GeForce Now, as well as Xbox Game Pass. Um, so essentially what this is, it is a $300 to $350 device that will be a way for you to play the games that you have, whether they're on console or on a streaming service, uh, without actually having to use your phone for this. I think it's a little overpriced for what you're getting. You're essentially just getting hardware. You're getting a smart screen and uh, a, a way to kind of access that. If you were to, say, take a look at the Stream Deck, uh, the Stream Deck does offer pretty much what this is, but it has the ability to be able to play games natively, which is honestly a much better way to go because you're not always going to have access to that. Now, I do think that in the future, we'll eventually get to the point where streaming will be the future. Uh, I can see that kind of trending that way. It seems like digital sales are a lot more... Uh, common these days and a lot more people are acceptable for it but there are a few things that i think need to happen if we're going to see this uh streaming kind of future and a lot of it comes down to digital music or digital uh, media rights like what rights do you have uh with your games you're, you're typically right now you're just paying for the license to get access to games uh if you buy a game digitally you have to agree to the terms of service uh if you break those terms of service you put your account at risk and they can ban your account which kills your access to your digital digital goods um i do think that we need to have a stronger conversation around what you can do to have better ownership over your digital goods um if you want to sell your games you can't sell digital games to other people you can sell your account but you don't always want to do that sometimes you just want to uh, be done with a game which is why i think these streaming services have been doing so well because they offer you an opportunity to get a rotating library of games with new additions each month that give you access to games without having to commit fully to the price of the game. Now, I think if you had a digital rights uh, system in place that allowed you to trade in or, or sell your digital games, then streaming services probably wouldn't be nearly as uh, strong. I think that we would have a lot more agency over what we want to do for our games. And if we don't like it, we could return it. Uh, and if we don't, if we can't return it um, within like the two hours that they give you uh, for a lot of these products, um, then you can at least sell it. You know, you can go on to a storefront or you can sell it back to the um, vendor, I think. Sorry. Uh, you can sell it back to the vendor, um, which is potentially like a, a weird a weird situation where they would want you to give them money or they would they would want to um, give you money for a digital copy of a code that they don't have to actually generate. So it's interesting. I think I think what it comes down to is it really should offer some sort of peer to peer uh, trading or, or, or sales system like there should be some sort of system that allows you to uh, be able to sell your digital rights. The trouble comes in is 
how can you trust someone on the internet uh, to sell you digital goods when there's so much you could do to that code? Like you could put whatever you want in that code and there's no way to really 100% be sure that there isn't something malicious in that code, right? Like you don't want to you don't want to buy a graphics card uh, online used right now because chances are it's probably going to be from a uh, bit mining farm and the card is burnt out. Um, it still works. It's just barely the capacity or barely the uh, the the capabilities that it has compared to a brand new one, right? Uh, so there's so many things that potentially are issues with um, digital goods, which is why again I feel like the main thing is is that um we are running into a situation where we have to rely on streaming services so will this device do well i think in some areas it will uh i'm not entirely sure um i think the the biggest thing here is is that this gives us options and i think options are probably uh the best way we can kind of move other companies like Nintendo forward with uh, stronger devices. If Logitech comes out with a wireless service or, or a, uh, a streaming console and it's a very good console, it can actually do more than what the actual Switch can aside from playing native games, uh, then you're, you're really looking at a competitor for something that the Switch has to deal with. Um, it has access to, to larger libraries than what Nintendo can offer and play games that Nintendo can't Offer So Nintendo may have to start actually uh, kind of making these deals with other companies to be able to get these streaming versions of games. Um, but you have to figure out how you sell that. How do you sell someone a cloud version of a game that's not on a streaming service, right? That's the biggest reason why uh, Google Stadia has not really taken off uh, and why GeForce Now is still not one that's kind of held up along the same uh, same ranks as as uh, Game Pass or, or PS Plus. Um, but I'm very interested to see how this is going to play out. I think it's a very interesting device. I think that they've done a great job of uh, really kind of building it. Um, I'm, I think it just needs to be one of those things where people like to be able to have access to those games offline. And that's the appeal of having something mobile, right? That's the, the, the appeal of being able to take it wherever you want. You're not always going to have Wi-Fi where you're at or good enough Wi-Fi that you're going to get the, the 1080 that you hope to get when you're trying to stream, stream, yeah, stream some of these games. In other Xbox news, we got another OS update, although this one not as interesting maybe as say like Discord coming to party chat, but I still really like this update. I'm glad that they are doing these. It's been a while since we've had like OS feature updates, you know, since the, the series launched a couple of years ago at this point. So I'm glad that we're starting to get more of these. Um, I'm especially bummed out that we aren't getting any more of the like backwards compatibility games brought to the library that they've kind of stopped that. But I imagine that they're probably working on things that they're trying to test out. Obviously, we've got the uh, dashboard stuff changes that they're that they're doing tests on insiders for. But this one, this one was kind of an interesting thing because it kind of sparked from a story that happened a while ago uh, where people who had been able to uh, connect their series Xbox Elite controllers to PC to be able to uh, adjust and map things, they they put it on Steam and they realized that you can actually customize the Xbox or the, the Nexus button on the actual controller. You can change the color of that. And a lot of people were kind of hoping that this would be something that would be brought 
to Xbox. And sure enough, now if you've updated your console, you can now change the actual uh, color of the Xbox Elite Series controller too. Um, you can change the color through the profile. So if you go to the Accessibilities app on your Xbox or Windows PC, while your controller is connected, whether it's wirelessly or, or wired, uh, you can actually go into each of the, the editing features for each profile. And over on the far right, you'll see a little tab that says color. And that'll allow you to actually pick from either swatches uh, or you can uh, change the hue and the saturation. Or if you have the hex code of a specific color, you can actually just go in there and change it by the hex code as well too. Um, so I tested this out. I went and grabbed my uh, Halo Limited Edition series controller and I looked up the hex code for uh, the Cortana blue like the blue that's on the back of the controller for the little cortana uh section and i was really happy to find out you know that it exists um someone has has figured out what that hex code is and i was able to edit the uh, nexus button so i've got a couple profiles one's generally for photos one's generally for general gameplay so uh, i've got like most of my face buttons kind of mapped to my paddles so I went in and actually changed up the uh, color for the Nexus button and it looks beautiful having a nice blue Cortana blue uh, Xbox button on my Halo Master Chief Elite Series 2. So if you're curious what that color is, what that looks like, if maybe you've got a couple profiles set up on your series controller and you want to go in and take a look and see what it looks like yourself, uh, the hex code is actually 00A is an alpha 3. E is an echo one. You just enter that into the hex code in the actual color tab, and it should go ahead and save that color for that specific profile. Uh, one of the features that I thought about would be really nice with this is uh, if you're like me and you tend to swap profiles from time to time because there isn't a uh, dedicated photo or clips button on the actual controller, not the way that the uh, new series controllers have that share button. Um, I found it very nice to have stark color differences between the profiles so uh, for example my standard blue is kind of for my everyday kind of playing through games whether it be destiny or sea of thieves and uh, the photo button is a purple and i've got it set up so that way i can look immediately down without having to judge how many lights are on the profile button and i've got a different colored uh, Nexus button or, or Xbox button to kind of like illuminate the fact that I'm on a specific uh, profile. Um, I kind of wish that you could do this, but do this for the actual profile lights. Um, Cause I think it would be nice to be able to have access to both of those LED sets um, with the uh, blue on the actual like LED for the profiles, uh, I'd love to be able to change that so that the color that's reflecting on the Nexus button is the one that's actually reflecting on the actual profile as well too, or just be able to change those up. So instead of having like uh, three blue dots or two blue dots or one blue dot, um, it actually changes to uh, whatever the color is for the Nexus button. 
One of the other changes that actually came to the OS is a full revamp of the library on Xbox consoles, making it easier to access all of the games and apps that you have. Uh, this is something that I remember uh, seeing on my One X. Um, bear in mind that I never had a standard one, so I don't know what it was like back in the TV, TV, TV days. Uh, but having access to my full library that showed all of the games, all, all of the owned games, uh, and then separating like Xbox Game Pass, EA Play, Xbox Live, Live Golds and own or Xbox Live Gold games, and then the owned apps. Um, having those kind of like in their own little category uh, was something I really enjoy about the Xbox One system update. Um, having this available for the Series S and X, uh, and having the change put over to the One X so that it's a little more in line, uh, just as far as looks go, I'm really enjoying. Uh, I really love being able to go between the Xbox games uh, that I have versus what's on Game Pass. I took a look at what was on EA Play and realized that there's some games over there that um, I forgot you get free trials for. You get to, to play like 10 hours uh, thanks to EA Play with the uh, the membership that they have built into Game Pass. And I'm just glad that they're doing stuff like this. It allows me to have a little more access uh, to what I want. I'm still looking forward to the OS update that will eventually come that uh, will have things like uh, settings and Game Pass uh, buttons have quicker access to those. I would love to be able to have that. Uh, even just like a settings menu thing on the on the dashboard that isn't like sitting in my recently played or recently accessed apps that would be fantastic because honestly like it's I, I am typically swapping over to my settings and you may be wondering why I tend to go to my settings a lot um, if you're playing Destiny 2 on a LG C1 OLED uh, and you have the LG C1 OLED set to be uh, 10, uh, 120 frames, that's fine. Uh, but if you put 120 frames in the actual Xbox settings, if you don't limit it to 60 frames per second, I get this really weird bug where every time I launch Destiny, well, not every time, that's being a little hyperbolic, but when I launch Destiny, uh, I get this weird like fuzzy static snow on my screen that I have never seen uh, with any other game. And the only way to fix it is if I limit the OS to 60 frames per second, bearing in mind knowing that Cru Crucible is uh, available to have 120 frames, um, which is enabled. But when I'm just playing regular PVE content or when I'm doing raiding, the last thing I want to worry about is swapping menus, having it reload into the game if I go out of the game for some reason. And when I come back, having it just be complete snow and the game's fully playable, no issues. It's just a really weird visual bug, like the, the data gets corrupted or it can't process the signal or whatever's happening with it. But the thing that fixes it is if I go into the Xbox settings and be able to limit it from 120 frames to 60 frames. I don't know why that works. It just does. But I always have to switch it back to 120 uh, when I go between Destiny 2 and Sea of Thieves because you know, Sea of Thieves, I can get 120 frames, no problem, whatever I'm playing, and it's great. Um, so those are kind of the weird the weird situations where I'm like, ah, you know, I can't wait for this OS update because it's going to make my life a lot easier not having to constantly dig into the settings uh, from like a, a, a little tile that is taking up a space of a game that I would probably rather be playing as opposed to going into the settings. Um, 
so but that's kind of the the main thing so uh look forward to having your full library plus game pass ea access and all the games that you've claimed through games with gold um, which as a reminder if you haven't already make sure you're heading over to the games with gold section uh and going into that app and, and remembering to pick up portal 2 that is still good till the end of the month you've got about a week left uh before you can um uh before you lose out on being able to pick up that game and then uh, one of the other things that came with this is selecting the storage locations for your games and apps on Xbox consoles. So starting today, you can select different default installation locations for all your games and apps on your Xbox Series X and S, as well as Xbox One consoles. Uh, by providing separate default install locations for different types of games, you can most effectively or efficiently, yeah, effectively use your storage space and manage game installs. So if you go into the settings for storage devices, you can select change installation locations. If you have external drives or a storage expansion card attached, you can select a specific drive as an install location or let Xbox decide where to install the content for the fastest drive within available space. Um, this is something that I like because I do have, uh, in my bedroom, I have a Xbox Series S, or no, excuse me, X. Um, and I have a four terabyte Xbox hard drive hooked up to it. I also have a 512 uh, gigabyte uh, storage expansion card that I just got for uh, from Target when they were doing the 50% off sale. I wanted to I wanted to see how good that was. Um, so, and I use those drives uh, fairly frequently between the two Series Xs that I have. I usually will swap one card or pull, pull the slab, and I'll bring it over to the living room if, if I can't use the, the bedroom. And uh, that's kind of the, the easiest way for me to kind of keep a catalog of games downloaded um, that I don't necessarily have to update on both drives. Um, so having the ability to say like, have my Xbox One or 360 games or original Xbox games all stored on my external USB hard drive and know that anytime I go to download one of those, whether it's uh, on there or not, will automatically be downloaded to that external and not hog up the internal or the storage expansion drive is a fantastic quality of life feature. I really, really love that. I think it's a great way to make sure that um, it's, it's smartly installing content where it doesn't necessarily need to be on the fastest stuff it can it can reliably play on external usb hard drives especially one that's a, a like a four terabyte external uh great great option for being able to hold on to games that you know you want to get to or you just like dive you know like kind of diving in from time to time i know uh, I'm, I'm currently playing uh gears three and the more I think about it, the more I realize, like, I should not have this game downloaded on both of my Xboxes. I really should just have it downloaded to the slab, and uh, which is the name for my external hard drive. And I should just have the slab uh, have all the Gears games there because they're all Xbox One games. Um, I think with the exception of five, I think five technically is uh, Xbox Series X and S optimized, so it'd probably want to be on the faster stuff, but um, that I'll have to worry about when I get to that point. Uh, but with the, the slab, at least that way, I've got all the other Gears games on there. And when I start playing with friends to go through them, all I have to do is just move the slab wherever I need to. And I've already got all of those set up so that they uh, will anticipate being plugged into other 
consoles, which I think is another really brilliant feature. It, it already keeps in mind like, hey, if you're going to use this on other systems, we'll keep those system profiles um, set up so that way it, it recognizes immediately which Xbox it's plugged into. Very love, very much. I love that. So, um, great way to kind of ensure that. Uh, also, if you're if you're you know if you've got other things that you don't want to have on your internal like apps, great way to put them on the external, uh, or just to let Xbox decide based on you know what you where it thinks it's going to be able to put this to not hog up that much space. So, great changes that are coming. They're already in your system. Just make sure you go into your settings go into your console information and make sure you check for updates uh, to get this installed. This last feature is an interesting one, and I'm actually kind of curious what you all think about it, if it's something you would actually do. Because I personally am struggling to kind of think about how this would actually work, if I would want to do something like this. And it's called sharing with Xbox Game Bar on Windows PCs. So the Xbox Game Bar works with most PC games, giving you instant access to widgets for screen capture and sharing, finding new teammates with LFG, which I never do, uh, and chatting with Xbox friends across Xbox console, mobile, and PC, something I do do all without leaving your game. Uh, Xbox Game Bar now allows you to get a shareable link for any capture you want. Share your captures anywhere, SMS, WhatsApp, Twitter, Messenger, and more. If your settings are sent to public, anyone who gets your link can see your shared captures, which if you're social, like I am, is pretty nice. You can kind of get a, a, an opportunity to jump in and take a look at the, some, some of the photos that I love taking. I love video game photography, by the way. Uh, while playing a game, press the Windows logo key and G on your keyboard to open up the Xbox Game Bar. Uh, bear in mind, if your Xbox Game Bar isn't running, this won't work. You need to make sure that it is uh, running on, either on startup or you start it up before you kick up a game. Otherwise, it just it, it won't do anything. And if you have an Xbox controller plugged into your PC or, or a wireless, so you can actually open up the uh, game bar using the Xbox button, which I love too. Uh, you can click copy link at the bottom of any selecting or selected gaming capture in the Xbox game bar gallery, which uploads the capture if it's not all uploaded already and provides a shareable link once upload is completed. Something I think was really kind of cool. So one of the other features, uh, one that we actually have, Believe it or not, if you if you have an Xbox Series console, then you you already know about this. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm still really curious to get some feedback on this. I'd, I'd love to hear how this is working for you. But we're talking about party chat noise suppression. And the reason we're talking about it is because it's now available for Xbox One consoles, as well as Windows 11 and Windows 10 PCs. Um, a lot of people on Windows typically just use discord discord is is a, a very very good system uh, they have a crisp program in there that's built in that will help with noise suppression um, i think it's probably one of the best features of discord it does a really good job of cutting out a lot of background noise um, and i'm very curious to hear some some thoughts from folks who have been using the noise suppression or have noticed if noise suppression has been working for you uh, and the reason i i ask about this is because um with the 
big news that we had where you can transfer or join up into Discord channels using your phone and then transferring it to your console. Uh, that handshake has been working very, very well for me lately. Um, I've really enjoyed being able to jump into Discord channels where I see folks talking. And even if I'm sitting out on the couch, not typically talking to anyone and no one's in party chat, I love being able to see that the community is is using the voice channels and I can jump in and chat with them and see how things are doing directly from my Xbox, just handing off the phone call from my phone to the actual console. And it's just like nothing happened. It's just like jumping into a party. Um, so now that that feature is uh, available, um, I'm very curious how people like the party chat and how the noise suppression is working there. Party chat is kind of the uh, default interaction that you have with a lot of people through console. You usually invite people through there, if anything. So um, one of the other things that came up is you can set up parties with your friends in a snap using the Xbox app. Uh, the new start party button in the Xbox app makes it easy to jump right into the game uh, with your friends. Now there's no need to create a party from scratch each time you want to get your friends together. To get started, look for the new parties option on the social tab. You'll see a list of all of your recent parties from which you can restart a party or create a new one. You can easily select which friends you want to invite. Something I'm very curious about, I haven't played around with this. Uh, I will probably take a look at it and see if it's something that I can jump into because I do typically have a group of people that I usually chat with on a regular basis. And to be able to jump in and start up that party chat automatically without having to go through the process of uh, sending out invites to the folks that I, I know we're already going to be uh, chatting with or waiting for them to join up is really cool. It's kind of a, an interesting thing that uh, PS5 actually has. Like PS5 party chat system is already kind of set up like a... Oh, what's a good way to kind of think about this? It's kind of like a forum post. Uh, when you start up a forum post, you put it into kind of whatever the, the forums are. You know, you just see different posts in a forum. And the party chats on PlayStation are very much like that. Whenever you start a party with someone, uh, whether it's to chat with them through voice or chat with them through uh, texting, it saves that party. So if you want to call them, you just go into that party and you can do it automatically. It doesn't matter how many people are in there or not. You can have uh, multiple people in one party and it just kind of hangs there. It doesn't really go away. You can leave the party if you want, but for all intents and purposes, if you start talking with some friends and you do so in a party on PlayStation, it just stays there which is, is nice if you've got a regular group of friends, you can jump in and immediately start a voice call without having to go through the process of uh, in inviting the people that you talk to on a regular basis. And that's kind of like what's going on here. Uh, the thing that I'm very curious about is to find out if this is something that is going to make its way to the actual OS on consoles, because I think that would be a fantastic way to have a difference between chats, parties, and friends. Being able to set up parties that I know are going to have the same people all the time because we raid together and we that's how we play Destiny or my crew in Sea of Thieves. Every Saturday we've got a crew and we can just jump into that party. Being able to automatically like kick that up, get in there and see who uh, comes in is something that I'm, I honestly would love to kind of see. I would love to kind of test this out. So I'll probably be taking a look at this after this episode goes live and see what I can mess around with. And that was it 
for OS features. Um, some really good stuff that I think actually came. It's nice to be able to talk about quality of life features for Xbox and how they're continuing to iterate and change and evolve and see what consumers want out of this OS and how they can continue to add refinements to make it even better than it already is. And speaking of better than it already is, uh, if you've if you've been looking for that Xbox wireless controller, the white one, uh, that is now available this week. It's available for $130. Um, I would still urge you to keep an eye out on sales. I know GameStop was most recently selling uh, their, their Elite Series 2 with all the bells and whistles. Uh, I think that was down to, I believe, gosh, you know, I, I feel like I should probably check on this, but I want to say it was for $150 or $140 um, just recently. Like they just, they just, even after the news of the of the 130 Xbox White, uh, they had announced that they were going to have a sale on the original one, um, which was fantastic. Oh no, you know what? Oh wait, this is, it was, uh, here it is. It's Amazon. IGN Deals had the Xbox Elite Wireless Controller, Controller Series 2 available for $155 on Amazon down from 180. So if this is 130, if you can fork out 25 more bucks, you can still get a good deal on the original Elite Series 2 controller. Uh, they also had some good deals on regular controllers, just the different colored ones like the Shock Blue or the uh, Robot White or the, um, I always want to call it uh, the Product Red, uh, but the, what, is, what do they call it? Plush Red. Uh, those were all on sale, um, I think, last week for about 50 bucks each, down from 65 uh, So keep an eye on it. I, I love checking IGN deals. I love checking Wario64 to see where I can get some of these deals going. Um, I, I, I did pick up the deal from Target through Wario64. Uh, I've been keeping my eye on Ring Fit, if that's a weird tangent. But um, just nice to kind of see that some of the different products are, are dropping in price, especially given that they're announcing new products, uh, especially this white series two controller. And funny enough, there was a bit of a, a, a kerfuffle, I would say on Twitter. Um, the LG ad that had the LG uh, or Logitech G cloud handheld, um, the promotional video for that had a white Xbox series X in the background which left a lot of people online asking, is this something that was unreleased uh, that we are going to be getting in the fall or in the winter? And I don't know the answer to this. Speculation suggests that it's just a skin, uh, but it is a very interesting choice given that you can have the white Switch OLED, you can have the standard PS5, which has white uh, panels on the side of it and a black core uh, to make it like a reverse Oreo? I don't know what it, yeah, it's just like a, a reverse Oreo color scheme going on, uh, as well as the Xbox Series X. Well, the X is the most powerful, so why wouldn't you want to show that off compared to the S when it's next to the PS5? So having an Xbox Series X makes sense given that they are in parity as far as power goes, but there's not a white version of that. So seeing a white version definitely makes me think that there's an opportunity to have different colored Xbox series consoles. Um, you already see kind of the 
custom built ones that are out on Twitter for uh, different sweepstakes. And I really love trying to go for those um, just because I would I would probably sell off one of my other Xbox uh, Series X's and use the uh, the special edition one the way I used my Cyberpunk limited edition for the Xbox One X for so long and just really enjoyed having that as an opportunity uh, or, or an alternative, I should say. So with this, uh, I, I feel like this is just a skin. I think Jess Gordon uh, confirmed on Twitter somehow. I never got to dig into the actual story of that, but I believe it is just kind of a, a skin for now, um, which is kind of a bummer because I think there's opportunity there. And I think we're getting close enough to the point in the lifespan of the series consoles. I mean, for gosh sakes, they're, they're getting close on two years on the, on the release and uh, we're still having trouble finding these things in stores, uh, which is just, it, it's absolutely insane. It still boggles my mind that the consoles still can't get regular stock in uh, in stores. I, I mean, the exception to this, obviously, is going to be the, the Series S. Uh, the Series S console still somehow manages to outproduce and outsell all of the other uh, next-gen consoles. It's outselling the Series X. It's outselling the two PS5 consoles, uh, at least in Japan. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm constantly in shock at just how well that thing is performing and how many they're able to put out, which to me suggests two things. One, people appreciate the value of having Game Pass. They don't care how they get access to it. And two, the price point is so low that it is almost uh, a no-brainer to go for that if you're looking for a next-gen uh, console that you say like you're a Nintendo fan, right? Say, say you've got your switch, you've got your switch OLED, you just spent the 350 for that. And you're really happy you've, you've got that, but you want to have access to game pass, you want to have access to that next gen stuff. Well, your TV is only 1080 because obviously you've got the switch, you don't necessarily need a 4k TV to be rendering out the 1080 output for the switch pro. So a series S makes sense because it's going to target 1080 most of the time 1440p uh, when it can but it will maintain that 1080 for all intents purposes either at 60 or 30 frames for most games so it's it's a real it's a it's a beautiful pairing if you're happy with having uh, the mainstream games that you can get through Game Pass or through the the digital store on the Series S, uh, but then still have all of the JRPGs, all the indie darlings, all of the the Nintendo first party through your your OLED Switch. It's just a really a really nice economical pairing. You know, for six hundred and fifty bucks, you're essentially getting two console generations uh or two consoles and their exclusive titles for for you know the cost of a standard um a standard next gen console one of the higher tier ones and uh an extra controller if you will speaking of sales i figured why not let's go over to vgcharts.com and uh william d'angelo uh who actually now that i think about it has the same last name as a buddy of mine um went ahead and did up an article that was posted two days ago comparing the price uh, sales or the sales uh, sales figures for the PS5 versus the Xbox Series S and X uh, in the U.S. Uh, for August of 2022. So basically, if we break this down, it's a very interesting story. The uh, change over the last 12 months um, has Xbox... Uh, selling 378,000, wait, let me see how this is actually done. So total sales 
in PS5 is going to be 8,299,054. So uh, just shy of 8.3 million units sold. The Xbox Series X and S total sales uh, comes up to 7,688,738. So just shy of 7.7 million, which leads you about 60,000 uh, in lead for the PlayStation 5. Now, looking at the chart, uh, that VG Charts has here. Ironically, I just realized they put charts on their chart site. That makes sense. Good job. Um, there's a significant gap that has been between the PS5 and the PS uh, or the Xbox Series consoles. Um, Xbox has been trending underneath the PS5 sales this whole time, and the gap has uh, widened and, and narrowed in different points in time to, over the last uh, 23 uh, 23 months in the US. And it looks like the gap has actually been uh, dropping of late and it's getting closer and closer. It looks like uh, August is the 22nd month that PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S have been available. Uh, so we're getting close to that 24 month time frame in November. In the latest month, the gap grew in favor of PlayStation 5 when compared to the aligned launch of the Xbox Series X and S by 49,000 units under 40 or under 50,000 units. And in the last 12 months, the Xbox Series S and X has outsold PlayStation by 378,000 units. Uh, the PlayStation 5 is currently ahead by about 60,000 units. So the, the Xbox has been narrowing the gap for all intents and purposes, um, except for this last month. They've been catching up to Sony, and Sony still is the market leader when it comes to games. They still sell more consoles uh, than any other. Well, <laughs> they still sell more consoles compared to Xbox. Which leads me um, to my next story, ironically enough, where Microsoft actually came out, uh, both uh, Brad Smith, who's Microsoft's president, as well as uh, Satya Nadella, who is the CEO of, uh, of, of Microsoft, both of them came out in an interview with Bloomberg. So let's read from uh, the Windows Central article. This was written up by Jez Corden. Thank you, Jez. Um, ironically enough, it says published nine minutes ago, but I've had this tab open for quite a while. How long, <laughs> how long have I had this open for two days? I've had this tab open. Uh, okay. So, um, the, the interview, and we're going to read from Jez's, uh, uh, article here, uh, the, in an interview with Bloomberg, Microsoft president, Brad Smith discussed the topics of disinformation across its informational products, such as being LinkedIn, MSN and beyond. I don't even know what beyond. Oh, beyond as far as like multiple other products. Got it. Uh, social media companies such as Twitter and Facebook have been increasingly blamed for the erosion of shared truth in society with bad faith, hot takes and outrage baiting sensational sensationalism, taking news feeds, uh, news feed priority as a consequence of human nature interacting with algorithmic content desi uh, delivery designs. Twitter and Facebook both came under fire during the early days of the pandemic for preventing the spread of false information about the eff efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines, for example. Uh, kind of talking a little bit more about this, let's dive into um, the actual story. 
This is coming to us from Jez Gordon over at Windows Central. Thank you, Jez, for writing this up for me, uh, specifically for me, by the way. I appreciate that. Um, Microsoft's CEO, Satya Nadella, comments on the Xbox's Activision deal and the slowing economy. Uh, this was something that, again, is going to go into our Activision Blizzard uh, acquisition, where Sony is crying about how they are in worried about the state of competition in the industry making sure that uh you know picking up a publisher like activision blizzard king isn't too damaging towards competition um so let's let's kind of talk a little bit about this interview with bloomberg um in the article or in the interview uh, microsoft ceo satya nadella offered some fresh comments on the deal which is currently subject to regulatory scrutiny in the uk and other territories again thank you jazz for writing this up uh, the quote here is of course any acquisition of this size will go through scrutiny, but we feel very, very confident that will come out, Nadella said. Regarding to the or reacting to the regulators, Nadella noted Microsoft's position in the global industry, which puts them behind companies like Sony, Nintendo, and Tencent, demand, or depending on the metrics used. Remarking upon Sony PlayStation's recent acquisition spree and regulatory scrutiny, he quipped, If this is about competition, let us have competition. This is kind of the situation that's going on with Activision Blizzard King. Sony is going to cry havoc or cry, cry wolf maybe cry wolf uh, about how this is going to be too damaging towards their company, how uh, it's going to take away games like Call of Duty and how they won't be able to have that much competition in the market as a result. Um, the, the truth of the matter is that Microsoft is still behind. They have been behind. This is the first generation that they've been able to start to grab at some of that competition back, get some of that market share back. And, it's really kind of interesting um, to kind of hear him talk about also the reason why they aren't increasing the costs of their consoles. Um, they, they've been making profit, but they also know that the, uh, the market, the global market, um, has been having some issues. So during the discussion, and this is reading from Jez's article again, Nadella also discussed Microsoft's position within the wider economy. Central banks across the globe are raising interest rates to cope with rising inflation in an attempt to depress borrowing and drive down consumer prices. The turmoil has trade-offs for borrowing, which we naturally hit those with debts and mortgages as employers will seek to cut their own costs with layoffs and decreased investment. Nadella is confident that Microsoft can weather the storm, though. He says, the constraints are real. Inflation is definitely all around us. I always go back to the point that is an uncertain time in an inflammation or inflammatory, no, inflammationary time. I've never seen this word. This is, it's inflammationary is what this word is. Uh, software is the deflam. <laughs> oh my God, these words are so hard. Uh, deflations, yeah, deflationary force. Wow, this is why some folks have MBAs in business and other folks read news about people who write articles about news, which is me. That's, that's me. 
Microsoft is enforcing or ensuring that our customers are able to do more with less. So in terms of outlook, I'm optimistic about Microsoft's value proposition. I'm optimistic uh, or optimistic about our share, but we are not immune for from anything that is a macroeconomic headwind. And basically what he's saying is, is that they're not going to do anything drastic. They're not going to do anything like layoffs. Uh, they're not going to do anything to raise the cost of their products. They're going to try and weather the storm because that's the position that they're in. They have enough uh, money to be able to do this. And the reason for it is, is that they're hoping that uh, this will kind of work itself out, that that will kind of see investments uh, or, or not investments, um, inflation uh, die down in, 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 in deflationary forces. Uh, it's, I don't know. Um, but it's nice to know that for all intents and purposes, they're not trying to just gouge people because they're scared of what it's going to do to their bottom line. And for a company that's spending $69 billion on a publisher, it kind of shows. So nice to kind of see that. Um, this is one of those situations, again, and I feel like I've been beating a dead horse here. Uh, but I, I, I'm glad to see that Microsoft is bullish on this acquisition. They feel like they're not worried about what's going to happen to it. They're, they're confident that it'll go through. I don't think they would be talking about this uh, so so positively if they weren't sure because it's it's less of a matter of whether or not this is going to be uh removing competition from the market if if anything it's going to increase competition in the market because it will secure jobs it will allow products to be built out and it'll drive customers to a more central point where they'll have to come to the decision do they want this or do they want that and that's what helps kind of keep competition, keeping uh, the value proposition of two different products from two different companies in line so that customers, consumers have choice and have a, a good choice as opposed to saying, well, if I if I want these games, I have to go to this one only. And that's kind of where exclusives really do kind of shine in, in, the, in a weird situation. It's like, you, you want this, you have to get this. And that's kind of why competition matters so much is because you want to have both companies be able to compete in the market. It helps keep each other in check. So you don't have companies running away with being able to just raise the cost of their consoles so much in markets um, just due to inflation. You know, Microsoft and Nintendo have said, no, we're not going to raise our prices because we want to remain competitive. And that's a really big you know that's a really big thing because Sony at the moment, while they are winning uh, in the in the game industry, they're not always winning everywhere else, and they don't necessarily have the the market cap to be able to uh, to to be able to to you know not raise their prices. I think one of the last stories I'm going to bring up this week um, pertains to Rockstar. Uh, unfortunately, the. People, for whatever reason, have it in their heads that they're going to be famous. Um, so, unfortunately, Rockstar uh, was actually hacked this week. And, uh, well, I don't know if it was necessarily this week that they did it. Um, but earlier this week, a hacker, a hacker obtained footage and allegedly source code of Grand Theft Auto 6 from Rockstar's company uh, Slack server. Um, they dropped this footage online, revealing the as-yet-unannounced title, to the world among other things and we saw protagonists from the game as well as dialogue and gameplay uh, rockstar had put out a statement admitting the breach and expressing disappointment um, and in fact 2k actually put out a statement that i'll read now 
Earlier today, we became aware that an unauthorized third party illegally accessed the credentials of one of our vendors to the help desk platform that TUK uses to provide support to our customers. The unauthorized party sent a communication to certain players containing a malicious link. Please do not open any emails or click any links that you receive from the 2K's games support account. If you've already clicked this link, we recommend immediately taking the following steps out of an abundance of caution. And it's basically go through and reset your passwords, enable multi-factor uh, authentication, install and run a reputable antivirus program, and check your account settings to see uh, any forwarding rules that have been added or changed on your personal email. And essentially what happened was uh, a hacker went in, took a whole bunch of video, took a whole bunch of the game and put it out there on the internet saying, oh, look what I got. You guys want, you guys want more here. You can have some. And unfortunately, there's nothing cool about this. Like all you've, all you've done was taken a game that is still being worked on and put it out there for everyone to show warts and all. And now people are starting to form opinions on how this looks, thinking that this is the intended way that the studio wanted to show off GTA 6. And unfortunately, while we knew that GTA 6 was being worked on, we were all kind of sitting back and waiting in anticipation for when it was going to show up. And yet people are still actually having uh, a, a, a real just a, a real hard time not forming opinions on what this actually looks like as if people have forgotten about what red dead 2 looks like and plays like like red dead 2 is probably one of the most detailed and and well-crafted games to date like it, it's fascinating how that game actually operates because nothing about it feels like a video game everything about it feels like just a simulation that's running an old western and it's just and you get to participate in it but it's it's amazing to see like just how the how the actual systems in there work it's on par with what i think about when i think about the uh, weather and elements system that works in breath of the wild right uh so this person um who we, we don't know like what happened but according to uh city london police they revealed that they arrested a 17-year-old in Oxfordshire on suspicion of hacking. And the reporter Matthew Key said sources confirmed that this individual was the alleged rock star hacker. At the time of writing this, uh, this had not been officially confirmed by Rockstar or any law enforcement agencies. Uh, Rockstar has assured gamers that the leak won't impact development on GTA 6. Both Rockstar and Take-Two have attempted to get the footage removed from YouTube, Twitter, and other social media sites. And effectively, what people are, are kind of upset about is uh, the difference between leakers and uh, trusted sources. Like, should games be leaked? Should we be looking for uh, games that are not or are yet to be announced? Um, because on top of the GTA 6 leak, there was also uh, 40 minutes of YouTube or no, 40 minutes of video released uh, for Diablo 4, which is in a, uh, a, a beta right now. And according to the reports that I was seeing, this video has, uh, um, I think it was like an IP on the screen, which, you know, way to dox yourself in this case, 
um, if you're releasing video that has your IP address on, like as a, as a watermark on the screen, like you're not doing yourself any favors if you're trying to uh, keep from getting out of jail. And I, I really don't know what's going to happen to this kid. Um, I really feel like there needs to be a lot more kind of education about, hey, you know, if you're a kid and you think you're getting into hackers and you watch the 1990 movie hackers and thought, oh, that's cool. Things have changed. It is not as easy to stay anonymous in in the world anymore. Like you can do what you can. Uh, but even even when you're trying to be crafty about leaks, um, sometimes you do stupid moves and you tweet from your your main account as opposed to your uh, leak account and uh, find out that. Now you're going to be facing a lot of legal issues because the footage and the information that you obtained that you've been leaking on this Twitter account is in fact all under NDA and you've just broken a non-disclosure agreement, which means that they can take legal action against you. Um, so if you're a leaker and you think you want to have some cool stuff that you want to share, how about not? How about, how about you just save yourself the trouble of getting in legal uh, repercussions from from doing this, because I can tell you right now, no one's going to care about you or think about you in a week, and no one's going to care. No one's going to think, oh, that was so and so who did the GTA Six leak. They're they're going to remember that there was a leak, and they're going to be like, oh, that sucks, and they're going to remember how much hate the devs got for it for a couple weeks. But when the game launches launches and and everyone's playing it. No one's going to sit there and think, oh, man, remember when this game was leaked? Remember so-and-so who leaked it? That's not how this works. You you get like 10 internet points for the day and you feel good about yourself and you can go in the bathroom and be happy and take a nice cold shower for how worked up you got over it. But no one gives a seriously. So I don't think anyone listening to this is probably going to leak anything. But in the off chance, it's not worth it. Um, one thing I will say, though, is... I'm kind of over uh, the speculation or less speculation. I like speculation. I like talking about potentials. Um, I hate the the uh, constant conversation around insiders talking about something that we we don't have publicly. Like I hate talking about this stuff, but I feel like I have to because um, I want people to be aware that this that there's discussion being had by it but if you don't know there's a there's an article out there that you can you can take a look and find uh that is a speculative report according to sources who have not been named because why would anyone again some people are smart enough to not dox themselves other people's aren't um the people that are talking to these leakers these insiders uh the the they're they're saying that sony's going to be coming out with a detachable disk drive for the ps5 which to me makes sense like of, of course why wouldn't they they sell a ps4 without a drive or they sell a ps5 without a drive not everyone gets the opportunity to buy the the the, the ps5 that they want an easy fix for this is to sell a separate drive. If people want to add it on, let them add it on. It's a it's a revenue source. It's a cheap investment. You already own the rights to Blu-ray, so what does it mean? You know, you're not paying for that. Uh, so it's it's an easy win for Sony. They can tack this on to sales if people can't get a they'll they'll buy a digital if they if they know they can get a disc drive later on um in in this situation uh so if you know if you can only get a digital version congratulations um i'd be interested to kind of see the route that happens with this if uh 
if uh, Joe Moran over at, at the PlayStation Trophy Room, um, he thought up of a very good use case scenario where they effectively just sell the PS5 without the bump and it's just the digital version and then they just sell the the actual disk drive separately. So that way they can narrow their SKUs down to one sell just the digital drive for uh for for what is it the the 400 and then sell the disk drive separately for 100 if they really want to uh and that way all they have to do is produce the one ps5 and then they can sell the the disk drive as as an add-on later on so very interesting use case it's all speculation who knows if this is actually going to happen because it's all coming from people who don't want to be named and you know the person who gets the information and the person who gives the information they have that rapport but i don't trust any of that stuff until i actually see sony announce it so um all speculation at this point who knows if it's actually going to happen uh this is about as this is this is about as as certain as the the people saying that there's a switch pro like sure yeah there is when we see it from nintendo at some point in the future right next to donkey kong so we'll see um that's gonna do it as far as the news there's a little bit of a story between sean Layden joining tencent i'm not really interested in jumping in on that uh and there is some games that actually just came out this week that uh i actually think are kind of interesting so i wanted to let you all know if you haven't had a chance um, the games that are out this week are Return to Monkey Island, which is available for PC and Switch, uh, Shovel Knight Dig, which is just available for PC. Um, but we did get some games that are over on Game Pass as well, too. Uh, so if you haven't gotten a chance to take a look at these, um, I, I would just head over to head over there, take a look, because um, I'm interested in in well there's okay there's there's a uh, sd gundam battle alliance which is only on pc as well but um the one that i'm kind of interested in right now is uh death loop uh slime rancher 2 the valheim which is coming out this week um hard space shipbreaker i want to play on console because i've been playing it through steam through the early access and i really love that game uh the grounded full release is coming soon as well as Beacon Pines. Uh, Beacon Pines is one that I, I honestly, I think this is going to be a sleeper. I think this is going to be one of those ones that is actually pretty good, uh, but nobody knows about it because it just looks like another one of those kind of cartoony night in the woods uh, indie games. But I'm curious how many of you are jumping into Deathloop. Uh, it's nice to know that it's finally over on Xbox um, where they are now home. Valheim coming. I can't wait on PC for Game Pass. I'm very excited about that. I've been holding off on buying that game for a very long time. So I'll be not I'll be happy to jump onto that. Uh and then again, Hard Space Shipbreaker. If you guys want a space uh a space trucker who's just cutting away at big hunks of metal and incinerating most of it and then saving the good bits uh in zero zero G space with nice relaxing music, give Hard Space Shipbreaker a chance. Uh, I haven't quite finished up Metal Hellsinger, but I still recommend that as well too. Metal Hellsinger, a uh, fabulous game. Really is just like a, a uh, it's like a Doom, but a rhythm-based Doom game. Um, there's, again, eight eight or nine levels. Really easy to play through, really fun. I, I really absolutely love it. Definitely check those. Those are the main things that are coming out this week or already out. Uh, so definitely keep an eye out for those. Let me know what you guys are interested in. Let me know what you guys want to hear about. Um, be very interested to jump into Return to Monkey Island. I have not gotten to jump on to actually play that. 
uh this week has just been absolutely insane so I'm, I'm looking forward to jumping into that i still need to go back to the last of us part one and uh God, there's, there's always a bunch of games but i always fall back to destiny and sea of thieves but anyway that's gonna do it for this episode i hope you guys have a good rest of your week i hope you enjoyed the news this week a lot more positives than negatives so i'm i'm happy about that man i'm i'm stoked i i, I will take more and more of the positive weeks as opposed to the negative weeks where i have to i have to get it out of my system uh, but with that, I think we're going to get out of here. I hope you all have a fantastic week. If you want to uh, share any thoughts with the show, there's plenty of ways to do that. You can head over to Twitter again, the Xbox wrap up uh, on, on Twitter, um, the YouTube or no, not the YouTube. The, uh, the Gmail account is the Xbox wrap up at gmail.com. No one of import has sent me anything. I've been getting advertisements and stuff on there, but I don't care about those. Um, but if you do emails and you're sitting at work and you're like, oh, I need to, I need to show, I need to share some thoughts with that. Otherwise, uh, I have a discord, um, that I will see if I can put a link in the show notes so that you can actually head over, um, that I, uh, wanted to, what's it called? I wanted to see, let you know, there is a channel in my discord for my keelhaul podcast, um, just for Xbox, uh, news, but also for the Xbox podcast as well too. So if you want feedback and you do discord, um, there is a discord link in my Twitter profile, which is at capped underscore logan is it in my profile i feel like it's in my profile i should probably double check this before i start saying stuff like that i wasn't gonna have to figure out how to put it in there uh but in my profile i'm pretty sure i have a link to at least the keelhauled podcast oh i do i don't have it in there i'm so bad all right so my keelhauled podcast has my capped logan dot podbeam dot com um that has the the actual link to the discord but you know what i'm just gonna put it I'll, I'll put it in the show notes for this show as well too i feel like an idiot for for doing all this and now saying it but it's my keelhaul podcast i've got links in there for um for the, the xbox wrap up i'm so bad at doing two podcasts i should just stick to one this is crazy you guys have a great week i'll talk to you later